0: You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Hi, hey, hey, hey. I'm so glad to be here. So it's Super Bowl Sunday. So the clear toys? First far uh, as is the lady in the wheelchair in the congregation. <laughs> just kidding, um, maybe Tim Tebow wasn't available. <laughs> I'm just kidding again. Um, right about now, if you are totally on zero with me and my story, which is very possible, You're probably slipping out, like, wait, I come to church to feel better about my life. And there's a girl in a wheelchair on this stage. Is this really sad? Is this about to majorly bum me out? Um, This looks like it could be majorly bummer. Not exactly Sunday fun day. And... um, Maybe you're actually the sweet church lady in the back who's right about now thinking like, bless her heart. (laughs) That poor little thing. Boy, she must be having a real hard time. Well, let me assure you, I am not having a really hard time. (laughs) And and this, this will hopefully not be a bummer message for you um i i hope not i don't think it will i actually though don't really want to do something else i don't want to inspire you um today which sounds so funny to say also i know but i really don't have any interest in inspiring you with my story or in bumming you out with my story neither one I want to do something um, very different that I think the Lord has really called me to do, which is link to our stories, because they're actually all the same story, even though they may look totally different. Have any of you had a brain stem stroke, very nearly died and become severely disabled afterwards? Maybe there's a few. No. There never has been ever before and um, yet have any of you ever had any pain in your life any suffering anybody pain suffering it's so universal that we've all had hard stuff stuff that's not okay pain and stuff that did not end the way we thought it would and um, It's so interesting because I'm the one in this physical wheelchair on the outside of my body, but I think we all have these invisible wheelchairs, don't we? Inside of us, all these internal things that are not okay in our stories, and I sit in this thing every day, and yet I bet most of us in this room could possibly admit that they've got one of these inside every day that nobody sees and you know what's um really interesting that i feel like the lord allowed me to recognize i mean not that long ago just a few years ago was that um when i had the stroke and subsequently you know in the years that followed people would use the term wheelchair bound you've heard this she's bound to a wheelchair we're wheelchair bound and I can remember that always just rubbing me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not wheelchair-bound, I don't think. Like, I don't like that expression even. And um, I realized it's because it's not accurate, and that's why I didn't like it, that I am not wheelchair-bound. And that actually has nothing to do with the fact that I can stand, nothing to do with that actually, nothing physical. The reason I am not wheelchair-bound is because the wheelchair is a vehicle to my freedom. I'm wheelchair-free because the wheelchair enables me to do my life. It enables me to go where I want to go, to be in the rooms or the stages I want to be on. The wheelchair actually is an agent to me living what God called me to live. And that's pretty powerful. So here's the link could it be perhaps i say that with such tenderness but perhaps the various wheelchairs in our lives could possibly be avenues through which we find freedom that's i i'm not I'm not about to say for sure but I'm definitely here to say it is worth examining and investigating in your life and your story, where is the Lord taking you, even if it's not the way you ever thought you would go. And I'm gonna sit down so I don't fall, cause I can't stand for very long, but I should show you um, that I can walk a little. I can kinda move a little, dance. I can, I can get kind of spicy, kind of go back to the side. <laughs> I'll swear you, I can, I can do a few moves, though. Anyway, I love that Louie invited me to share today, and maybe it was because Tim Tebow wasn't available, but maybe not. Maybe it was actually because Louie is really to something that in this series, Seek First, Put God First, how are we possibly able to do that when we are in terrible pain in life how can we ever put god first when our lives are not working out well the last thing we're thinking about is how to put god first when our lives are literally falling apart we're in terrible pain suffering has hit the story so how can we reorient to do that can we do that do we want to do that and I would love to unpack that with y'all for a few minutes, because I think probably in all of our stories, we have to ask that question sometimes. How can I possibly put God first, the clear cause of the Bible, when my life is falling apart, when things are not working out, when I have tremendous unmet expectations, and I don't know which way up is. How can I possibly look up at God, where's that? Is the reality that disorientation of of life. Hits are stories. So I'm gonna very briefly read this digest, tell you my story, and then jump in with the good nuggets. So here we go. My name is Catherine and I married my college sweetheart. I'm from Athens, Georgia. Will you go dogs, or, or whatever you like. I love them all. Um, I went to Sanford University, married my college sweetheart, Jay Wuff, and we went on this adventure to California. We don't really know why. We just moved across the country when we were young and stupid. And we lived in Malibu. Jay was in law school at Pepperdine. I got ex- unexpectedly pregnant with a little baby, which was God's timing right on time, and had James Thompson on October 16, 2004. Sorry, I got married in 2004. Maybe it's 2007. And six months, five days after that sweet baby came into the world, I woke up and felt funny. And I can tell you the next 12 hours. Well, no, I couldn't tell you 12 because I don't have consciousness for that long. I can tell you about the next six where um, I just felt dizzy, and that was about it. And basically, I had an AVM, which is an arterial venous malformation rupture in my brainstem. And when it ruptured, it caused a massive brain stem stroke. And AVM is this crazy little collection of blood vessels that forms, malforms, forms wrong, in your mother's womb when she was pregnant with me. This collection of blood vessels was in there. I was born with it. I believe I was fearfully and wonderfully made with it. So I'm growing as a 26-year-old, it's grown and grown and grown, and mine explodes. I told my son's kindergarten class, mommy's brain exploded. And when, when it's kind of funny and kind of weird, do you laugh? <laughs> you can, and now you can, not for a while. But I, um, I had an AVM rupture, and it caused a massive stroke. And when I had the stroke, the doctors took me into surgery and decided to operate. It was very touching off they didn't even operated on me because I was so far gone. And they did decide to operate, one brave surgeon actually, Nestor Gonzalez did. And he performed a 16-hour brain surgery. And obviously I lived, but there, there were and are, as you can see, pretty tremendous deficits. Um, some you see, some you don't. My, my hand doesn't work. Obviously, I have no fine motor, and I can't really walk, and I see, you know, two images all the time. I have double vision, and I'm nearly blind in one eye, and I'm deaf in one ear, and my face is paralyzed, and blah, 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 blah. I have loads and loads of physical issues. Uh, my body is, is ravaged after what I thought was because I'm a stroke survivor. That's always how I linked it up. I'm a stroke survivor, so now I'm disabled. But that is actually not the link, it's fascinating. It kind of is, it's part of it. But the reason I am in this impaired state is because the wise and careful surgeon made the decision to wound me very greatly in order for me to live. Isn't that a fascinating biblical truth that in all of our stories, could the wise and careful surgeon have to make sacrifices in order for there to be flourishing? in our stories I believe if you have a pulse you have a purpose and I have a pulse and I think the Lord has given me tremendous purpose on earth in the land of the living to share the goodness of God and that is um something that you know perhaps was not supposed to be which that's always funny like well if it wasn't supposed to be it wouldn't have been and I'm here so it was this is what's supposed to be I guess And what a comfort is that in each and every one of our stories. So, yeah, it's been a lot. I think we're going to show a picture of how I reconciled, but didn't so much just, yeah, but I'll get to how, um, yay, Jesus, working, and the, you know, the surgeon did the surgery, and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there is such real deep joy in the Lord in this story, but there has been pretty horrible pain. So I never want to brush over that. And we're gonna show a picture of my first Mother's Day with James. Keep in mind, he was six months old when I had the stroke, and here he's about eight months old. And I have such a complicated relationship with that photograph because I'm so thankful I have it because I have no memory of that day. Um, But that is sad, very, very sad. And I've wanted, as I share, to never communicate that it's just joy on the other side of terrible loss. I don't think that actually serves the Christian community. I think the reality is there is, in fact, low-grade sorrow and sadness even in the most incredible glory stories, because we are left with the reality, the remains, the fallout. We're left with scars. I very much believe that scars are the best part. They're the best part of my story. And yet, they're scars. (laughs) They're there. I'm hurt by what's happened to me in life. I can say that. It's almost embarrassing to be Vulnerable to the degree where you can say, God hurt my feelings. And he did. And, um, you know, there, there is a sadness that it has dissipated as the, as the years have gone by, but I will likely be lifelong. That I will feel a little bit in shock. Like, I cannot believe this happened to me to this day. And I have found tremendous purpose. I have seen the Lord move powerfully, but it is still sad. And I don't think that's actually wrong. You know, I think somebody lied to somebody who lied to somebody who said, you know what, like everything's gonna get all better one day. Just you wait. I do believe that's true, but I don't believe they're talking about on earth. One day there will be no more tears, but that is not the side of heaven, I believe. I love the David Crowder song actually, and I know you people love him too, that earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. We're not in heaven yet, and I think there is sorrow and sadness while we're on earth. I um. I. I try not to dwell on the sadness. I don't think of my story, but I recognize. and i I was I got to be on tour all last fall with Priscilla Shire, if you know who that is. I was her special guest on her tour. I know I'm still pinching myself. and And she pulled me aside. I can't remember where we were maybe Wichita or Minneapolis or somewhere. And she said, always tell your story, no matter what you teach, what you say, always tell your story and always tell everybody who will listen that there's still sorrow, there's still sadness, and that can be lifelong. She said, people need to hear that. And I was like, coming from you, I will do what you say. (laughs) And um, I think I should. I think that's real that there is joy and there is also sorrow and hardship in our stories. And they can be beautiful, beautiful stories. I'm about to tell you one. As sad as that picture is from that Mother's Day of that baby with mama, um, there's been such beautiful stuff happening here. I did go on after seven years to have a little brother for that guy. John Nestor was born on June 15th. And he is a joy and a wild man. I couldn't say that first service because he was here, but he is worn me down. (laughs) And being a disabled mom has been intense, to say the least. Um, But John is just just precious, precious gifts. His name, John, um, named for the apostle, middle name, Nestor, Um, for my neurosurgeon, Nestor Gonzalez, whose life's work has been giving second chances to He's just like me. His name in Hebrew, we did not know this at the time, means seeker of miracles. So we named our kid, the Lord has been gracious, seeker of miracles, Wolf. And we feel like that's a really good name for that kid. And Yeah, so we are um, living this crazy life. A a family of four right up the street here in Atlanta. And it's not perfect, but it's a wonderful life. We are very, very, very blessed. And um, I get to share um, here and there about what the Lord is doing in this story, this story today, and it is just a, a joy to speak into this sermon series on putting God first and recognizing in my own heart um, and maybe, maybe sharing with all of you to consider that even in pain, we can put God first when we choose to recognize and acknowledge and live into the reality that life is both good hard at the very same time. It's not mutually exclusive at all. You know, I love, love, love the truth that when we have to go to the darkness, the deep darkness in our lives, that there's treasure there, special treasure hidden in secret places. That's Isaiah 45, verse 3, where it says, I will give you hidden treasure. I will give you hidden treasure in the darkness. Riches stored in secret places, so that you may so that you may know me, the God of Israel, the God who summons you by name. And I love love that thought. That yeah, thanks. That if you're going into the deep deep darkness, that there's treasure there for you, and you get to. Get that treasure and cherish it and champion it for your entire life. You let it inform the way you move forward after it. You never, never need to leave those nuggets behind, but carry them with you every day for the rest of your entire life. And to me, that's exactly what the good, hard life is all about. I made up a word. It's you may have heard me saying it over and over, it's good hard. There it is on the screen. It's one word. Things are not just good and they're not just hard, are they? They're good and hard. They're good hard. They're not mutually exclusive. They coexist. And I believe that's the Christian life. I um I want to share with you Colossians 3 in the message version, translation, whatever you want to say. Because, here it is, if you're serious about living this new resurrection, life with Christ, which, yeah, I am, so I want to act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ resides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is see things from his perspective so yeah whoa aren't we all doing that aren't we all looking straight up no no i don't think we are i think you know we're very distracted down here you may have noticed we kind of got a lot going on so it's really hard To look up at him, seek him first, put God first, whatever you want to say. It's really hard to even look out at the broken world around you because what we are doing is going inward. We're like, I got to protect myself. I got me and my tribe here that all think alike, and we're going to go together. And I've just been hurt by the world. I got to protect myself and my loved ones. And I end up staring at my navel, navel, Gazing, you may have heard it. I gotta look at me and protect me, my people, and I gotta look good and I gotta feel good and I gotta get all the goodies and then I will have a quote unquote good life, right? Well, I um, I don't know. I have been very, very um, yeah, confused, hurt. Concerned about how you reconcile the goodness of God when life falls apart How can God be good? I mean, I'm sure perhaps in your own life. You've questioned how can Psalm 8411 be true that no good thing Does he withhold from those walking uprightly with him? How can God withhold no good thing when we know people every day, and perhaps ourselves included, who are walking uprightly with the Lord and their lives are falling apart? They have horrible medical diagnosis, financial crisis, addictions of all sorts, pain, problems, you name it. How can God's goodness be in this? And I was at a conference years ago, and I was speaking, and Sarah Groves, who's an incredible musician out of Minnesota, um, played a song she had written called, Open My Hands. And in this song, the opening lyrics say, I believe in a blessing I can't understand. I've seen rain fall on the wicked and the just. Rain is no measure of his faithfulness. He withholds no good thing from us. I remember like rolling up to her right after the conference and being like, Sarah, Sarah, talk me through your process. Like, how did you get there? How did you reconcile God's goodness? All all this, just talk me through it. And she pointed me to a brilliant theologian named Sir Richard Baker, who wrote in the 1600s the following that has absolutely changed my life. I'm going to put it on the screen. You need to, like, take this one home if you don't already have it. If you haven't already heard me talk about it, I'm full of obsessed with this because God's goodness is not physical things at all. Let me say that again for the lighting in the back. God's goodness is not physical things at all. The true goodness of God, the best things of God are the peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, the fruition of his presence in this life, and the assurance of his faith in the next. Of these things, we can then know that God will never withhold from those walking with him. Are you kidding me? That is powerful, because here's what happens. No matter what has been in my story, since the stroke. And there's been some pretty tough stuff. It's been almost 14 years since the stroke. Um, And I've had honestly some really bad stuff happen to me. I've broken my leg, I fell in the bathtub and broke some ribs. Most recently I tore my ACL, MCL and meniscus um, from a horrible fall into 2020, appropriately. I, I've had 13 surgeries since the stroke. I've had multiple neurovascular conditions after the AVM. i separately had a brain aneurysm removed. After that, I've separately had multiple vertebral artery dissections. And I have an unknown future, very honestly, in, in some neurological realms. And it's been rough really tough, Um, and that's not even touching the emotional pain and toll of knowing my sweet husband is, you know, a lifelong caregiver. Um, My children are growing up with a mother who's fully disabled and will never do blah, 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 blah for them, and you can imagine, I mean, just a, a lot of reconciling, really awful pain, both physical and emotional in this story. And no matter how bad things have gotten or, or honestly will get in the future, I've had a very deep sense of this truth that um, in my life, post-stroke, definitely did not cultivate this till after the stroke, that the truly good things of God are here and they can never be taken away from me. So nothing, yay. So, glory to God. So that is for all of us in all of our hard stories we are untouchable by this world because the truly good things of God are not of this world. And that's powerful truth for you in your nightmares. Now, it does not mean it is easy, but there is such a comfort in knowing God is not ever abandoning me. He's right here. He's with me. And that is actually everything that I need. Now I will say, that is really, really cool to hear that the good things of God are all around us and we are untouchable. But the reality is you may not be feeling it all the time. You may not be feeling that goodness of God. So I am making a memory in your brain right now by standing up Wake on up, if you're getting a little sleepy in the back, because this is super important truth. And actually, I wasn't going to share this today, but then two weeks ago at church, Louie actually shared this passage, so I knew I had to elaborate. Now, Psalm 42.5 is this amazing truth, and before I say it, I'm going to share this. Sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you just have to do this. You have to get bossy with your own soul. And that is the key to dealing with tragedy. Get bossy. Psalm 42, 5 says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise Him, my rock and my salvation." So you see what you got to do. You see what He did? He got His soul back on board, said, okay, I know you're not feeling it right now, but this is what we're doing, because I know where you want to go. You want to go to where there is truth. Not just, I feel this way, but I know to be true, even deeper than my feelings, that I gotta get you back on board and coming on with me you know where i've seen this so powerfully displayed is in our camp community my husband and i founded a camp five years ago called hope hills camp and it is a family camp where anyone dealing with disabilities is invited to come it's a lottery system for free to come and bring their family unit to camp, to enjoy a week of just celebrating, being a family, being together, being alive in a wonderful camp environment, surrounded with like love and just tenderness and support. And this community has been transformative to us for so, so many reasons. But among the most critical to share with you is that what camp has done has changed our baseline. And that's what camp can do with, with a bunch of wheelchairs and amputees and real real CP, all the way down all kinds of disabilities, is it changes the atmosphere of what you talk about. Nobody cares when your kid goes to college. What a joke. They're wondering if your kid is terminal. Well, they live through college days. Or yeah, we we've had seven campers pass away since we started camp. And I've been able to attend several of the funerals and you know we've we really committed that if we are going to do life together, we're going to do death together with these families. It's intense and raw and real and holy. Because we and I see a wonderful camper right there who I love, and I love her wheelchair. And I, um, I've seen, and you know, pretty much everybody who's been has seen that together as a community of people living with disabilities, we are able to corporately disrupt the deep lie the idol, that joy is only found when life is pain-free? Because these people, meaning these people, know all too well that is simply not true, that there is pain in the story. But there can still be joy even in painful stories, and there can still be pain in joyful stories. It's all commingled. And, you know, one of the reasons we started camp was we didn't know we were not seeing many people like our family. Like our family was not seeing many other families where somebody is disabled. And that's not because they don't exist, by the way. Twenty percent of the population of America is disabled. You just don't see this population. They're invisible. It's ludicrous. Let's change this. They're the highest population that is unchurched in the world like there's just not a really a rally cry for the disability community to be honest so that was a big motivation to start the camp specifically was so that our little boys could see this is not that weird this is not that different there are plenty of families where somebody is disabled plenty of families where a mama is disabled and we can do this life and those little boys very imperfectly are growing in the knowledge of that and are being shaped by it it's informing their lives and you know it's complicated it's complicated to have children at all it's complicated to have children when you're mothering from a wheelchair and perhaps one of those stories that i won't read from but just tell you is when we first moved to atlanta um, my oldest James was saying his little nightly prayers and prayed for a good day, which is such a normal prayer for a 10 year old kid to pray. And Mama Bear jumped in and said, No. Lord, we pray for a day that may be hard, that may be good, but a day where we honor You and are faithful to You in that day. And I pray that these boys will know that whatever their day and days look like, they can walk with You through the fire in them. And I remember everybody kind of looking a little stunned because it was almost like, It was a lot of things. It was me needing to pray that for Catherine. It was little girl Catherine needing to hear that. But it was me wanting them to know that, to grow up knowing life may not always feel good, little boys, but that doesn't mean it is not good. It's very different. And um, it's been very powerful because now, both my husband and I will say to them a lot, and they can say it back to us. Yeah, we know God made you to do the hard thing in the good story that he's writing in your life. And what is so cool is on some deep level, they know it is a good story because that's the only story God can write is good stories. But that, in fact, it may be hard, but they can do hard things because God has already equipped them with everything that they need. And that is what we are pouring into them. And I would challenge you, pour that into you and your people, that God has equipped you for whatever your assignment looks like in life. His divine power has given you Every single thing you need to do the hard stuff in the journey that he has uniquely assigned to you while you are on earth In closing, I'm going to give you a few takeaways um, Of how to embrace the good hard life which frees us to truly live putting God first seeking the kingdom of God the first one is to expect more of God and less of this world. You may be familiar with John 16:33, that in this world you will have trouble, but you can take heart, you can be of good cheer because He has overcome the world. And I love that so much because our expectations are everything, aren't they? That this thought, the like, if I know this world is messed up, if I know things are not okay, if I live with that as the baseline, I, I'm in reality. I'm in alignment with what's gonna be happening here. It's not all coming up roses, except it absolutely is one day. It's just not yet. So I live with tremendous hope and in reality, I call it hope while you cope life is hard but i'm hoping for what's ahead and i know i can take heart i can be of good cheer even if right now this is not awesome and that is so important let's adjust our expectations point number two steward whatever is in the story anything that's in the story let's steward it let's recognize that we are on an assignment I love it how Pastor Louis talks a lot about steward your story, leverage your life. This, this language has been so valuable to me to feel a sense of calling. And that is each one of us, our lives are by design. This has been so freeing for me to recognize like, this is exactly what the Lord has for me right now to do, right in front of my nose. Everybody some says to some life way over there, how about the life you got right in front of your nose? Live it well, why is no one saying that? This is it, we could all do our life, not wishing someone else's life was the reality. Which brings me to point number three, let's cultivate a ridiculous level of gratitude for what remains in the story what remains in the aftermath forget what was in the past let's live into what is right now oh i know but i love this feedback thank you it is really good because what remains is what is remaining in your future at least for right now let's live into this stuff i love the truth of psalm 16:6, 6, that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places okay so my boundary lines are a little bit small these days i don't have a very far radius in some realms of what i can do i can't even drive a car i'm in a wheelchair like the boundary lines are pretty intense and yet this little plot is pretty fabulous Like, I love who is in this little thing I got between these boundary lines. My family is here, my incredible husband, my precious children, my larger wonderful family, my church family, my whole world is right here. Why can't I say out loud to you, this is everything that I need. I have a God who is with me here in these boundary lines, whatever they look like. That is pretty powerful stuff. No one, thank you, glory to God, no one can tell you how to feel about your life. You realize this. So you may not have control over what happens in your story. You may not have control over a lot in our lives, to be honest. We like to think we do, but we don't. We don't have control over a lot. But you know what we do have absolute control over? How we think about it. How we remember it. The story we tell ourselves about how it went down. How we narrate it. How we choose to internalize the God who is with us. How we see God's hand throughout it. These are all things within our control. And that is... Very, very powerful, in my estimation, changing your brain level of paradigm shifting. Goodness, I think I just made up a bunch of words. You get it. Something very incredible happens to your brain when you realize, like, I am on assignment and I get to love it down here. I love this life. This is actually a seat of honor. Like, wait, what, a wheelchair? Yeah, guess what? I get to decide what this is. That's pretty cool in all of our lives. We get to decide how we think about our stories. Lastly, super important, I love the notion of look at your life, take responsibility for it and get creative, which sounds kind of crazy to say, but I love the truth of Galatians 6, 4 and 5 in the message translation, where it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Isn't that powerful? We are called to take responsibility for our stories and then to get creative as we live them out. Hmm, who does this remind me of? I know, Jesus Christ. Um, He was quite constrained, constrained to human flesh at the very least constrained from there through death, rose through constraint, so honestly we can live well within ours. The bottom line is this, we can take careful exploration, as that verse said of our story, of the story that God is writing. Let's look at it, let's turn it on and off our brains. You know, when suffering hits, we like want to turn off our brains and just emergency road. Let's, when the time is right, examine the story God is writing, then take responsibility for it. You're not the victim. You're not, I'm not the victim. I'm the overcomer and so are you of your story. So take responsibility. Don't play the victim and then live with creativity within the story. Recognize what God is doing and get on board with it. I think that's all I'm going to share because that is good stuff. Take that home with you. You are not the victim of your story because God Is at work in this story he wants you exactly where you are doing exactly what you're doing and well unless you're doing something whatever i won't get into that you get it god is in the mess with all of us on the move with all of us longing for us to persevere even through really really hard messed up stuff messed up stories i love the truth of hebrews 12. That therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we can throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And we can run or roll with perseverance, the race marked out before us. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's the bottom line. It goes on to say that we can consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we ourselves will never grow weary or lose heart, and that is my fear, that we can be so inspired by the assignment that we are on, that we will never grow weary, but instead, live on purpose. We are on mission, and let's wake up and live like it. I'd love to pray for y'all. If you were encouraged by today's talk, Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.